Hello and welcome to the Confidential Podcast, where we discuss and demystify life and everything that impacts it. I'm Simone Gisondi, author, health strategist, life transformation consultant, and overall life enthusiast. I dive deep into the fascinating world of life with each show. Each episode features in-depth conversations with experts, thought leaders, as well as personal stories and experiences that will bring the world around us to life. Whether you're a curious newcomer or a passionate enthusiast, come with me on a journey of discovery and enlightenment. Tune in every week and join me as I demystify all things that touch life. Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me again at The Confidential. And today we're talking to a very special guest about divorce. And as you all know, I myself am a divorce woman. So today you are going to love my guest. If you were to see her, you would see that she exudes this incredibly amazing positive energy, very calm, cool and collected. And I love that about her. She's actually a conscious relationship coach who actually works with women to help have better relationships without sacrificing their own needs. So she really understands that feminine energy that she exudes so well. She's a mother. She's a healer. She's also a Reiki master. I would love to know more about that. And a spiritual practitioner. She's got over six years of experience in coaching. And she began her journey when she realized that she wanted more out of life, which is incredible. She comes from a traditional Indian household. And she was born in Tanzania, which is in East Africa. And she followed societal and cultural norms, much like we all do, including getting married at 24 and staying in her marriage for 32 years before deciding to leave and divorce amicably. Now she's the creator and founder of Coaching Life. And she shares her experiences and stories, taking responsibility for creating her own future and helping other women do exactly the same thing whatever it may mean to those women by rediscovering their power to have a desired life. Vipula, thank yes. you so much for Hello. joining me. Hello, Simone. How are you? I am fantastic. What an amazing, amazing track record you have. And you exude the most positive like, energy of femininity more than anybody I've ever met. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. And it's, um, it's good of you to recognize that because you obviously are very in tune to it all. So you're recognizing the energies that um, that that are being around you and are being exuded around you, and yes. you're receptive to them, which is uh, which is a good um, aspect. And I love that about you too, Simone. So thank you. Yes, and I think that as a, a spiritual practitioner, you'd probably agree that people's energies introduce them before anything else. <laughs> and for those that are uh, able to view and see, they are able to understand exactly what's at play. So I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Yeah. So let's talk about your divorce. Mine was quite amicable too. So when when I heard that yours was amicable and um, so no bitterness, no negativity, it really struck me because typically, and I'm sure you know, especially as a coach, that by and large, most divorces are very bitter and they yes. they are on a very destructive path yes. where it destroys not just the connection between the individuals, but the individuals themselves. Yes. So um, I got married young and I had dated my, my husband for 
four years, five years before we got married. So I had known him from a very young age Mm -hmm. and we were friends and then we developed into something more, but he was also from the same cultural background as me. So it just made it easier in terms of the families and because as you know, when an Indian gets married, you don't, it's not just the couple getting married. You, you actually marry the families, the, 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 everyone gets involved and you, you discover parts of families and extended families that you didn't even think existed. And they right. all actively take part, not just in the marital ceremonies, but uh, following in the married life. They all do that. So it, it was more of, a joining of families than wow. it was. Yeah. And and that's how that's generally how traditional Indian weddings and families um are sort of joined in through marriage. Yeah. That's how that's, it generally works. That's actually a beautiful thing because so you don't just marry the person, you marry the family and you're obviously yes. you could tap into that network and into that extended sort yes. of Yes, uh, family for whatever you need to help you down the path of marriage and you know your yes. life together as, in life partnership. Yes. What's the emotional impact of that, especially if there are, uh, let's say, disagreements or different views on life and how life should unfold, especially when you are, uh, I know you're in North America now, and typically when you sort of going to a completely different society and a different culture or a mishmash of cultures, which is typically how the North American society is, how does how did that impact you? Um, it was a lot to take on for a you know a, a young twenty. I was a young twenty four year old, um, quite naive. It was a lot to take on, and. When you have the extended family, you are also taking on the expectations of each individual too, because there are roles to be filled. You are uh, the younger daughter-in-law of, you know, you could have another daughter-in-law in the household who is married to the elder brother of my husband. So it becomes a lot of expectations, there are a lot of roles to be fulfilled, and it is a lot in the beginning to take on. It's and emotionally, it was um, a roller coaster ride, almost like crash landing. You know, there's no parachute; you just got to do or die kind of scenario. You just survive. Um, But the commitment, the level of because of the expectations and the cultural expectations, the sense of duty is very, very high. Wow! So everything is followed through from a sense of duty and a sense of being present for the family and the family's needs over and above my own individual needs. And that is a cycle that's just repeated over and over again. It, it's the same pattern. It's, if, if it's not me, it's somebody else, but the pattern stays the same. Those are the expectations, the, the um, you know, the cultural sort of uh, definitions of what a daughter-in-law should be or a wife should be or a sister-in-law should be, they're very, very acute. And how did that, uh, especially like coming into the North American culture, how did that, because I'm curious, hearing you say that, 
And I know that a lot of that in my own culture, which is uh, very European, it was the same thing. You stayed with your husband, you committed yourself to your family, you very much sort of marry into the family and you kind of marry the family in, yes. in the sense of your sister-in-laws, brother-in-laws, mother-in-laws, so on and so forth. And your duty is not just to your significant other that you're sharing your life with, but to the family itself as a whole. And you have to sort of acclimatize yourself into that new role that you're thrown into. Cause oftentimes you don't necessarily know these individuals to their core, the way you do your significant other, your husband or your wife yeah. respectively. And you then somehow along the way in days past, divorce was unheard of in that culture, much like it was probably in India. Yeah, completely unheard of all those years ago. It was, it brought shame upon the family. That's how right. it's, that's how it's seen. Um, and from the community, you almost become an outcast. Wow. Because you are um, divorced. It has a different connotation to, say, somebody who's been widowed, because that's not out of choice. Right. But the shame that comes upon not just the in-laws, family but even your own family that you're from your your parental family um, and the repercussions are huge if you have younger siblings who need to get married or you have um, cousins and things that need to get married because that suddenly is a the reputation precedes you and it's oh, all wow. questioned and it affects everybody else so from that sense of duty it was a matter of Yes, I love the man, but everything else was difficult because there is the sense of self disappears, right? Amongst all that expectations and wow. all the norms and the sense of duty. And particularly in my case, I just put my head down and did what I thought a dutiful daughter-in-law or sister-in-law or sister or daughter or anything does. It isn't actually defined. Nobody says you have to do this. It's the expectations that I have seen and lived around that I enforced upon myself. Oh, so you forced that upon because, yourself. Because I thought it was normal and that was the way to be. So oh, I, didn't give my, I didn't give myself a voice. But nobody actually had sat me down and said, you have to be a certain way. Was it an unwritten rule? Yes. And those are the norms. Having witnessed them all around me, from my uncles and aunts and, you know, the previous generations, from having witnessed it from friends, that was what was normal. And how, so two questions arise from that. First one at what point in the Indian culture, because I'm trying to establish at what point in the European culture this came to be, what was the turning point when, when I guess, um, spouses started to divorce each other and it became more of a prevalent thing in the culture itself? Um, I think it's more of a generational um it's more common now, but I think it's more generational because the parents have been through it and experienced it, and they don't wish for the same to happen to their children. Sure. Yeah. So they have 
when their children are not happy, they're happy. They are, they don't, so they do support them. That's basically what it is. While as in my time, I wouldn't have been supported on, on taking an action like that. Wow. But if my daughter or my children or the next generations come up from my friends even, and they say that there is a need to divorce because of a real uh, issue and a sense of unhappiness, then they do get supported now. And that's perhaps where the turning point has come about. It's become more acceptable. And ultimately, people are also realizing that it doesn't make the person good or bad. It's just that it didn't work out. And how did it make you feel? My second question, Vipula, how did it make you feel knowing that you sort of self-imposed this on yourself to be the dutiful wife and sort of integrate yourself within the fabric of that family in a way that you would be accepted at your own expense oftentimes? How did that make you feel deep inside? What kind of impact did that have? Um, I had no voice. It was lit. It was I was completely um, buried under duty and what I thought I needed to do. And day to day of running the household and things, you know, the things we do to distract ourselves. Mm -hmm. So I was constantly busy without actually listening to myself, without actually knowing what it is I wanted, mm -hmm. without act and I just went about my day. I had. I had young, two young daughters. Mm -hmm. I, even when things got too much for me, I would uh, just not voice anything and just get on with doing what I needed to, to keep the peace. And the peace was environmental peace, the way I see it. It was peace for everybody else around me because it kept the household running smoothly. There was, I wasn't rocking the boat. Mm -hmm. Was there peace inside of you? No, and that was what, the, what I was buried under. So I, was, I wasn't choosing myself. I was just doing what was right in keeping the household calm and running and routine and, you know, efficient. And when did you realize that? So I understand that very clearly because I remember when I was married, we were, especially when we had children. So first and foremost, when you become somebody's wife now you kind of take on a new role so first you're a woman you're an individual and then all of a sudden you tag on another thing you're a woman you're an individual you're a wife and mm -hmm. then you have children so you're now you know an individual mm -hmm. a wife a parent and each time you tag on a new thing to your life you actually start to make that the focal point. At least that's how it unfolded for me. It became sort of like, oh, I'm a wife now. I have to be like that. Yeah. That's my focus. And that's my main role, putting aside myself as the individual. And I kind of poured all of myself into the marriage without even paying attention to what I really truly wanted inside of myself, much less to actually even sit down with myself and explore my heart. Yeah. Yeah. my mind what I wanted was I fulfilled happy and then once the kids came I kind of even put the marriage aside and now it was the kids that became the focal point so mm -hmm. I sort of even ignored my husband and of course myself and the kids were the primary thing that 
were the most important aspect of my life. At what point did you say, okay, now let me explore Vipula inside? Well, I had, um, I think it was 10 years after marriage and I had two young daughters. Mm -hmm. And I remember going to bed absolutely exhausted and shattered. And perhaps, I mean, if I look back at it now, I think I was, you know, functioning um, depressive. But I was going through the motions without actually knowing anything, sensing anything, no voice, nothing. And I remember laying in bed thinking, I have the most important role at that that had taken over every other role in my life was that of motherhood. Yes. And you're right in that it it even it was a even the marriage wasn't half as important as being a mother was. Right. And I had to see that role through as far as I was concerned for the sake of my children. That there was nothing that was more important, not even myself. So I was going to just put my head down and be a mother until the younger one was an adult. And then I would reassess and decide. Right. Which Which is what I did. So I then spent, following that time, I spent another 25 years with my head down and just being the mother. And then my younger one started going out with somebody. Mm-hmm. And I found myself watching her and seeing objectively things in her relationship, which wasn't working for her. Mm-hmm. But I also caught myself realizing that I was a role model. Wow, that's so impactful. Yes, because... She was putting up with things because she thought it was normal. Because that was now becoming her normal. Right. And normal, it doesn't, someone doesn't tell you what normal is, right? There's no definition of it. It's just something you've seen or something you made up in your mind that that is supposed to be normal. And every time I saw something happen to her and I tried to speak to her about it, I had to catch myself out because. I saw a pattern being repeated. Um, so it was your daughter that was sort of a reflection. Yes. She, she was, was I was and attitude. I was just seeing myself back through it all. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That is so big because I wish that everybody who's listening right now could actually take the time to really have a look at how the life of their children and oftentimes a lot of people. I have a personal friend who stayed through a lot of abuse in a marriage that was extremely unfulfilling and stayed because of the younger child. And the conversation the two of us had is exactly what you said. I said, but what kind of an example are you setting for your son um, who is watching everything that's unfolding and taking it all in, normalizing it because it's their everyday life in and day in and day out. And then they see that that's how a couple is supposed to behave. And they in turn take that and um, do exactly the same thing in their own life. They perpetuate that cycle. And then in that sense, you are setting them up for failure by staying in a marriage where you accept such things. 
Mm-hmm. Even though we feel guilt to say, oh, I have to give them the family unit. So I'm going to stay through thick and thin just so that the kids can have a family unit. But what kind of an example do they have and what do they watch? Yeah. So you're, you're correct in saying that because the, that is how exactly how I felt. Deep down uh, and to this day, there are times when I feel I took away that unit from them. I took away, you know, Christmas comes along, Diwali comes along. And suddenly that base of a family unit is taken away from them. Right. And it's those times when it's sort of magnified, you know, it's, it's the, because those are family times. And yet when I see them at any other time, they are independent, strong women. And that's so satisfying knowing that they are still getting on with their life and it, Although it impacts upon them, of course it does. But they are strong for it and they have the strength to walk away if they needed to. So and because now you're you're a coach where you teach women this. What's your as a professional, especially because you're a spiritual practitioner, you're a coach, you empower women. How do you what kind of advice do you give your clients between stay for the children? because they need the family unit, just like you said, for Christmas or Diwali or any other uh, holiday that's typically yeah. recognized and celebrated by family and leave so that you could set a good example for your children to empower them to have lives that yeah. are on their terms. Yeah. I think um, the biggest thing I could say to that, Simone, is um, if you're in a relationship, then to do regular assessments, to take regular accountability. Where are we at? Are we happy? But more importantly, to do that to yourself first, to take time out for yourself first, because you're also an individual, as is your partner. Mm-hmm. And you've both got to individually choose to be happy and to be together. So every, every my clients, my, my biggest thing I tell them is to be self-aware, to take responsibility, and to stop blaming the other for things that are going wrong. Ah, yes. Look inside first rather than outside of yourself as to where the blame lies, especially because we all contribute. In the duality of nature, we both contribute to the good and to the bad. Yeah. And then when you when you know that, and you, you're also responsible for your own growth, then when you sit down and you have conversations and you're regularly assessing where you're both at, then you are bringing something to the table too instead of pointing a finger and saying, you're the problem, you're turning around and saying, I am in this space and this is what I'm needing. So rather than blame, you're taking the res- I am taking the responsibility. That helps has helped most of my clients bring a shift in their awareness. And and you gift, like you give the gift of a better, more grown and evolved conscious person to your yes. partner through doing that. Yes. And to your and to your children. Absolutely. Uh, as an example. Absolutely, Absolutely. yes. Yeah. Um, and so you said that, uh, and I want to really go and dive deeper into the dating aspect of it because I think you touched on it now how important it is to to come into that uh, space of self-awareness 
to be able to take on the next relationship when you're ready for it um, as a responsible adult. And I think that it's probably worth mentioning to say that the word responsible itself is sort of made up of two words, response, able. So you're able to respond to life's hardships and issues that come and we all have faced them in our respective relationships with, uh, with other people that we are equipped to respond consciously and in a way that it's conducive to a positive outcome. Yes. I like your, I like your explanation of responsible. (laughs) Yes. Very, very interesting that if you really take the word and dissect it a little bit, and I've done that for my own self-exploration, what does responsible mean? Like what exactly does it mean? Be responsible. Because you hear that word being thrown around. And it's like, well, what exactly does it mean for me? And responsible is response able to be able to respond and not just to the other person, but to the relationship to life, to the requirements of, you know, carrying on uh, as an individual, even as a, as an employee, if you're working for another company, are you, how do you respond? Are you able to respond? Do you have that ability? Have you built yourself up to respond consciously? So in the dating world, did you date uh, when you were, when you've gone no, um, my my uh, we separated just before the lockdown. Okay. So okay, December of 2019. Three months later, we were in lockdown. Yes, and my older daughter got married earlier this year, mm-hmm. and then we restarted divorce proceedings after that. And of course, it's all online now. So, um, I. Um, in that space where if something if someone comes along I'm obviously going to uh, not not be not hold myself back in that sense but I'm still in that space of self-exploration I'd still like to get a bit more time alone I have never been alone in my entire life you know been under de- my father's wing and then straight into a husband's Mm-hmm. So I I am enjoying this space. I am I actually live in London. I'm visiting a friend in uh, North America in in New York, and I'm spending some time with her. So this I wouldn't being myself and doing where what I want to do go go where I want to go is something new to me. In terms of not be accountable to anybody else except myself. I'd like to take a quick break now to let you know that today's show is sponsored by my book, Against Medical Advice. This book is a memoir and it tells the story of how I built my life back after suffering a stroke during my divorce. I discuss the nutritional, lifestyle and mindset aspects that I put into practice to regain my health and rebuild my life. The book has been a labor of love, both writing it and publishing it, and I couldn't be more proud of it. Please pick up your copy from Amazon. For your very own signed copy, my email address is simone at simonegisandi.com. Oh, and I'd really appreciate it if you'd please consider leaving a review once you've read the book. And now, back to the show. And how does that make you feel? Because for me, that was probably the biggest sense of freedom that I had yearned for because I too went from my parents home straight into my into a home with my husband whom I obviously shared my life with 
And when the time came for me to be by myself, and I wrote this in my book, for those of you that are listening, my book, Against Medical Advice, is a chronicle of uh, my divorce, as well as my stroke that I suffered when I was going through the divorce proceedings with my now ex-husband. And I remember how terrified I was about being alone, being in a home just with the kids and being responsible for all the bills and whether anybody was going to come in and and harm us without a man there to protect us. How did that make you feel? How did that feel? It's not easy. There's no sugarcoating it in that sense. It's not easy. It's there are days when it's difficult. Um, And there are times when it is um, scary to think that um, I could possibly be alone in the future. Um, And that, that sense of loneliness is sometimes hard to to accept. But I had to also sit down and and realize, um, and it probably comes from being alone quite a bit, in all honesty. I had to sit down and and realize that I wasn't actually lonely and that I had chosen this, but I wasn't actually alone either. There's a a difference between alone and lonely. Of course. And although I'm alone, I, I have recently stopped feeling lonely. And the, the spiritual aspect of what I do gives me a lot of comfort. Yes, I believe the same for me. The amount of space, um, even from an energetic perspective, the energy that was filled in my life by other people that has now obviously been freed for something else to sort of fill that space. I filled it with passion projects, really being able to spread my wings, being able to express myself. Yes. And and especially because now it's so much more powerful. When I was married, I was younger, more immature, hadn't evolved yet, hadn't learned about who I was, especially because I put everybody else ahead of me. And doing it now when I'm so much more self-aware and be able to to come to the table as a full-grown woman and with life experiences that have served me so well, it's such a powerful thing. It's so, so powerful. And I really, really enjoy meeting like-minded individuals, especially women who have really stepped into their power to be themselves unashamedly and in in their full capacity, full bandwidth. It's probably one of the most empowering things about life because I know that oftentimes we look at divorce as such a failure, but what I've gained as a result of that has been probably the most powerful thing that I have experienced as an individual, as a woman. It It is highly empowering. And I think being alone does that too, because it, it yes. makes you go into and, and, and draw upon strengths in order to get through those times. And it's only when you look back at it in hindsight that you realize that you being alone or being in that space, you've had to draw upon strengths that you previously hadn't considered. Mm-hmm. And then you look back at it and you think, oh, that that is that was quite a time I went through the transition. So about those strengths, Vipula, especially because you're a spiritual practitioner as well as a coach, especially for women. 
those strengths, are they available to us but lie dormant while we're distracted by being a mom and a wife and we sort of tap into them when we have the time alone to be able to really uncover them and, and leverage them for our own benefit? Or are those things that we build as a result of having gone through the trauma of the marriage and its yeah. intricacies? Yeah. If I look back, my awareness of it came a lot later. Mm -hmm. But if I look back at it, I was drawing upon them even as a child. I was drawing upon um, comfort patterns or coping mechanisms and a lot of those things, my mindset, a lot of um, how I dealt with things, they were all, I was already doing it. They just weren't labeled. Uh. And the awareness of it came about much later when I sat down to study it. And I would look at it and I would read something and think, oh gosh, I was, I've already been doing this. So all I then developed was the awareness of it. But I had been drawing upon those for a long time. For a long, so it, long time. So they are always available to us. They're always there. You don't have to be alone. You don't have to be quiet. It's always there. Uh -huh. So that's important for an important thing for women who are listening, who are either considering divorcing or considering, you know, leaving their marriages or already being in the midst of it and not knowing how to cope. There are so many things because I know that a lot of times individuals look outside of themselves to other individuals, other people to draw upon their energy to sort of sustain themselves to keep going or they turn to escapist sort of things. Distractions, and, yeah. Right, this, uh, typically destructive or substances for that matter to be able to get through like as women typically drink lots of wine to be able to sort of escape mm -hmm. the reality of what's happening right now, even for a little bit of time. And then you take a reprieve and then you return back to this really dark reality of, you know, your family mm -hmm. unit is falling apart. So it's so important what you said that they're always there they're always waiting there. to be explored and tapped into. So that's yeah. very important. And, and I wanna... and, sorry, I'm, I just wanted to add something there. The answer isn't always divorce. And the more aware they become of the fact that they're already available to them, they can bring a lot of solace even in an existing relationship or an existing marriage. Mm -hmm. They don't have to go down the road of a separation in order to have knowledge of those and to access those and to actually put them into practice. They don't need to be alone for it. Especially as you was what you said about the fact that you had them available to you even while you were a child. Yes. And be able to tap into them because I mean, life throws curveballs and there are hardships along the continuum of life at every juncture, whether you're educating yourself. So you're going through a tough education and you have to balance, um, you know, a job with education and children or whatnot or even just education itself when you're a student in your young years, when you're trying to understand life and yourself at the same time, yeah. those are always available for you to tap into. And these yes. are spiritual gifts that are given to us um, as a gift to each in, each of us individually without anything being asked in return other than to just explore them. Yes. yes. 
And how about co-parenting, Vipula? So you and your husband split amicably. You had two beautiful daughters and you were watching them as they were going through their respective relationships. How did you co-parent them? Um, I think when, when they're older as adults, it's easier because you are able to have a conversation with them. Mm-hmm. And you're mm-hmm. able to rationalize through a conversation or explain things or you know just those it just it's a lot all better when they're adults in that sense i'm not saying it doesn't impact upon them any less but you're just able to have a better conversation as a child um i and maybe perhaps that was my limiting belief but i believed that the children would have found it harder to understand and harder to cope with it as children. And I chose to leave only once they were adults. But now, because we're still good friends, we if, if it is anything to do with the children, I'm, I speak to him and vice versa. And we got our, our daughter just got married. We were, we gave her away together. We were, you know, we were, equal participants in the ceremony because the Hindu ceremony has a lot to do with parental giving away and performing the ceremony. We were equal in it all. We were, we took part. We were, we were parents and we will always be parents. So the way I see it is he's always going to be the father. I'm always going to be the mother. There's no way we can take that away. And so why not live amicably for the, for the sake of the children and for the sake of each other? One of the things that I find uh, really difficult to wrap my head around, and I would love for you to speak to this, especially as a coach and a spiritual practitioner, when um, my husband and I separated or even when the divorce became finalized, and I was looking forward to, let's say, sharing my life with another individual. Not that I am, I'm not, but the idea of it, I wanted to really explore it. it never felt comfortable for me to consider myself, let's say, the stepmother of other people's children in the sense that if I was to, let's say, meet a man who had children from his previous marriage and now I am sharing my life with him, that I would be stepping into the role of stepmother for those children and that he would step into the role of stepfather for my children. In that sense, I was very sort of, for lack of a better term, territorial to say, no, no, my ex-husband will always be the father and there Mm -hmm. is no need for a stepfather for my children. He fills that role very well. He's an incredibly amazing father. And quite frankly, I do not want to take on the role of stepmother to anybody else's children because they do have their own mother. And I would want to use all of my energy and focus on continuing to be a mother to my children because I took on that responsibility when I chose to have them. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I agree completely, actually. I, I, I wouldn't want to replace being a mother for anybody else. Right. And I wouldn't want my husband replaced as a father to somebody else. We have our children and we are father and mother to those. But if 
I meet somebody who has children, I'm happy to take on because I think it would be such, I come from a joint family, an Indian joint family. And I think one of the richest experiences I have had as a child are the fact that I had uncles and aunts and cousins, a whole load. We, I didn't need friends. I had so many of them, all with their own characters and eccentricities and, you know, their, their life, sort of life characters, um, that it enriched my experience of childhood. And I actually think that when you take on somebody who has children, I'm not looking to be a mother to them. But I think having a different person who cares about them and cares for their welfare is an equally enriching experience, both for, for the adult and the child. Mm -hmm. but, but, they have to, but it has to be clarified that I'm not trying to be your mother. I'm here right. as a friend and I'm open to anything, but I'm, I'm not your mother and I will never impede upon that space. Yes, and I think I looked at it from the through my own eyes and that whole do unto others as you want done unto you. I would not want anybody to step into my children's lives and try to take away from them my role. Yes. Um, and be able to fill that role with their own energy, especially when I've I've been there watching them develop and and they chose me from a spiritual perspective through a soul contract they chose me and yeah. i would not want anybody to step into that role and and conversely i would not want to ever invade the space of another woman who has taken on that role for her yeah. own children and that's yeah. why i looked at it but i was very curious as a spiritual practitioner how you see that so the way i would see that as spiritually is in in essence love is infinite mm -hmm. and the more you give the better it gets, the more it multiplies, and the more the greater the impact. So I would see it purely from not a role point of view. I would right. see it from a point of giving off the love. Right. And that would be me fulfilling my, my karma in that sense, what I what was expected of me. How it's received, what it's done with is not my karma. I'm doing what is my bit. Mm -hmm. Whether it's received well or not, is it, in one way, it's how can I make it better if it's not received well? Am I not being clear enough in how I am demonstrating the love? So if it is within my response, I can make that adjustment. But if it isn't, then it how it's received is not my responsibility. That's right. So as long as you have the intent of love giving, yes, it doesn't necessarily need to have a label attached to it as mother or friend or whatnot. It's it's come it's a love flowing as a, you would in essence be a conduit yes. to to let the love flow through you to another individual without having to identify it or label it in any way or in any capacity. Yeah, That's absolutely. So you put it really well. But yes. <laughs> Thank you, Vipula. Yeah. I would love to know what stands out to you most about your divorce at the point you are at now. I think 
what stands out to me the most is the courage. Because only by letting go did I have the courage to ask for what I wanted, to become the person I needed to become, to fulfill my, my purpose. And only by letting go of the attachment to it and being willing to let go of the person that I was, because ultimately in a marriage, I'm a certain person. I have a face to that person, an aspect of me. And only by being willing to let go of that person and having the courage to do that, can I then become the person and create the life that I want for myself. That's so empowering and so beautiful. And especially, I think, for, for women, but even for men. I've met men who are in extremely toxic relationships with their yes. the women that they're yes. with. And oftentimes yes. they have been sort of broken down and stripped of their God-given individual power yes. in their own right that really need to hear that there yes. is such an empowering side on the other side of the fence, so to speak, when you step into your courage and be able to walk away from what's holding you back from being your true authentic yeah. self. Yeah. If you're willing to let it go, then things work out. Right. Um, what's one piece of advice that you'd give to somebody that's starting on their divorce journey right now? First of all, it would be, it's not a course that an, an action that you take lightly. And so they have to be absolutely sure that they are beyond reconciliation. Mm -hmm. And if something can be worked through it, then absolutely the advice would be to work through it because divorce is not always the answer. And what they want, the peace that they seek, is it greater, is that need greater than the love they feel? Oh, that is very important. Because you don't stop loving the person. It's just your need for peace is greater. That is so important. Your need for peace is greater. That is so impactful. Of course, spoken from a spiritual practitioner. Those are such beautiful <laughs> words of wisdom. Thank With you. such depth and substance. My goodness. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, did you get any advice when you were sort of going on your journey of divorce? And what's the best advice that someone gave you about divorce that helped you step into that courage? I didn't actually seek external advice much. I have always been one of those that didn't speak much of problems, in all honesty. I've just coped, you know, just zip up and cope kind of space. And I knew I needed to be completely sure about where I want the step I wanted to take without external influence, without external input. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I was absolutely sure that I announced it to my immediate family that this was the course I was going to take. But until that point, I did not seek advice from anybody. It had to be right for me. And I guess that was easy because I had studied and I had the tools available to me where I could come to my own conclusions. I could make my own decisions because I had those available to me. 
and I had a level of faith and courage that everything would be okay. Oh, that's very important. Yes, because you take you you're leaping into the dark in a way, aren't you? When you take yes. a divorce, you don't know what's on the other side. And having that faith that you will be fine, and that and fine is different for different people, right? What might be fine for somebody else may be not be fine for somebody else. So what I wanted, what it meant to me, I had faith in that. And most of all, that I had faith in being able to create the life I wanted for myself. Yes, very powerful. Were you anchored in faith going into the decision? Yes. I think that's very important for everybody because mm -hmm. oftentimes it's the fear that keeps people staying in really unfulfilling marriages yes. that are toxic because they are afraid of, am I going to be able to do this on my own? Yeah. I'm going to be able, and I know those were questions I asked myself when I was going through the whole process. But I think that's so important that if you're anchored in faith and trust in yourself, that you will be able to overcome and make it. Yeah. What What gave you that faith? What was it just your um, level of well, self-awareness? Just knowing, coming through, so, so through this, the studying and the learning, I started becoming aware of what was happening, but I was able to articulate it. I was able to put words like faith and trust and surrender into context. I mean, we talk about being positive, but what is positive, right? We talk about being faith, but what is faith? Because it's different for different people. That's right. But when I started looking at myself, I then realized what? faith meant for me, what courage meant for me, what surrender meant for me, what trust meant for me, those words that are being used all the time, but what they were actually for me. And then I set about putting those into practice. Wow, that is so incredibly powerful. My God, I have to tell you, uh, I, I was going to say this as I wrap up, but Vipula, you really have made the idea of me podcasting just be so fulfilling right now. I feel that because you are just um, the wisdom and your energy and how much you're giving me to think about uh, and question in my, within myself as to there are some avenues that I have to yet still explore. And I'm deeply grateful to you for, for the amount. Well, of in, in, in the same context, we're constantly exploring where none of us are the finished yes. product. And the beauty is in, in, in where and how we explore. So thank you so much, uh, Simone. It has been an absolute pleasure talking yes. to you. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time, Vipula. But um, before we wrap up, I would love to uh, know how do you want to be remembered by your ex? Well, by my ex. Your ex-husband, yes. That I had an impact. I want him, I would like him to think of me with, um, with love. And not in, it doesn't have to be the marital kind of love, just love in terms of, she made a difference to me. She made a difference to my life. I would like to, think, to be thought of that way. I would like to be thought of like that with anyone's life I touch, to be honest. Mm -hmm. And 
when you've known somebody for 40 years, then I'd like to think I made a difference in his life too. And how do you remember him? I remember him fondly. We're good friends. I still call upon him when something happens for the girls or am I, or he's needed for something. And I know as a friend, he's always there. So I do remember him fondly. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, of course, you are so there's, incredibly... Sorry, there's one more thing I would like to add. Yes, please. A spiritual angle to it. Of course. And I'm sorry I disturbed you again, your train oh, wow. of thought. But spiritually, um, I believe that we asked to play these roles. And when I asked for certain learnings for me to have in this lifetime, and for me to break certain ancestral patterns, he stepped up to play that role for me, to be my teacher, to show me that way. Mm -hmm. And I'm grateful that he did that. And because of that, I can never dislike him because I'm grateful he was the teacher he was. That is so, that is so, so impactful. And I really hope that people walk away with especially that lesson from this particular show, because it's so important to look beyond how we feel as a, in a reactionary way, in the sense that, well, he really upset me right now, so he's to blame. Whereas if you were to look through the lens of, from a spiritual perspective, he just showed you something you need to work on, or she, for that matter. Yeah. And the lessons from a bigger perspective in the sense of if you look at the whole marriage as a whole, what exactly were the lessons that came to you, especially, as you said, to break some of the patterns that are ancestral and perpetuate to keep our generational traumas mm -hmm. going. And it's so important to look through that lens because you take away the negative energy that disempowers you from really being able to um, have the richness of the lesson embedded into your own fabric as a person so that you can evolve and grow as an individual, not just for yourself, but for your children and, and to break that, uh, that trauma that perpetuates. Mm -hmm. So thank you for that. And Vipula, where can you, you are so incredibly amazing and so gifted. And as a practitioner, you have so much to give and you would enrich anybody you would speak with. Where can people find you if they wanted to work with you? They can find me on vipula.com. That's my website. They can find me as vipstevani on Instagram and then connect from there. They can send me messages via Facebook as Vipula Devani. I'm happy to um, to answer and speak to anybody. There's a lot of content on those mediums of mine. And as always, I'm working on more. Yes, of course. Guys, I'm going to make sure that I put all the links in the show notes so that you can have access to her. And please take advantage of being able to work with her to tap into her wisdom. She is so giving and she enriches you just being in your presence. Trust me on this. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much people i really appreciate your wisdom your knowledge your expertise your presence and for being on my show thank you thank you and i wish you well Simone. thank you very much thank you it's thank been you. a pleasure
Thank you for tuning to The Confidential. We hope you enjoyed the episode and found it interesting and informative. Please subscribe to the show to receive notifications when new episodes are released. You can also follow us on social media on Instagram at The Confidential Podcast to stay up to date with all things related to the show. We appreciate your support and welcome any feedback you may have. Until next time, stay curious and keep on learning. Thank you for listening.